Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is all this stuff coming out of Washington. It's an infrastructure bill. It's a, I can't even choke out the words, human infrastructure bill, which that is just silly and made up psychological manipulation. And then there's the whole idea of this incredible amount of money, which is going to butt up against the debt ceiling. And there's also this ability to actually fund the government, which are two separate things. They did, the Senate on Thursday passed a standalone stopgap spending bill to keep the government running. It has to go to the House for approval. Why do you laugh? Because it's just the same thing as the last time this happened. The exact same thing. The last two times, the whole chaos about the government being shut down, a stop-gap bill has been passed to save us for a little while. You're right for what you were saying the other day. It's the exact same story being told again. And I have so much cognitive dissonance over this because there are a few things that the government, if you just like constitutionally or even logically want to say that the government has administrative control over or should. And it's it's like how to actually pay the bills, like literally just write the checks. That's what this is. Or like, what is the process at the border? Like, is there a process at the border? There's always been a pro- I don't know if always, but even when there aren't immigration laws, there's a process to keep like sick people out. My parent, my grandparents had to be tested for illness. That was it. And you would get turned away at Ellis Island, but that was it. But there was always a process. So they cannot deal with the process at all. They don't know what they're doing. It's a complete mess. I'm not saying they don't know what they do. I think they do know what they're doing. But there's a complete mess. Yet, they, the big thing that they're trying to push through, and they will push through for sure, is a $3.5 trillion, $3.5 trillion, it boggles the mind, $3.5 trillion bill. That's over 10 years, I believe it's going to be spent that will fundamentally transform this country or will will be the last nail in the coffin of the fundamental transformation. I would like to read you like the six or eight things that I know are in that bill, not in any kind of detail whatsoever, just headlines. I can barely stand it. And my guess is it's like a 2,500 page bill. So if (laughs) I were to crack the code on it, it would be on page like 200 and 2022 you know you'd have to read the whole damn thing so i'm not doing that i'm going to read you the headlines off of like cbs two free years of community college that's a huge mistake all you're going to do is have dropouts child care and universal pre-k of course they want the parents the moms like a big push pelosi was talking about get moms to work cradle to career yeah and that's about it's not about it's not only about controlling the kids making them dependent pushing them into the careers and stuff that you want them to be in, controlling their minds, influencing them. It's also disconnecting them from their mothers and their families. And, yeah, and, making Stalin's children. Yeah, and they want the, the mothers out in the workforce also because they want them to pay taxes. They also, this is untaxed labor. Women taking care of their own children in their minds are untaxed labor. So there's that big movement towards being a, a caretaker of someone who's an invalid, like you're a home healthcare worker or whatever, because like for me, taking care of my son who has Down syndrome or Wayne Rohde taking care of his son who has autism, they want to make that a job and pay you for it. They just want to classify absolutely everything as a registered transaction, in my opinion. 
a terrible thing for the culture, great for the powers that be. Medicare expansion, of course, extended child tax credit, which I mean, whatever. The I hate I hate nuances in tax laws. I just don't like them. It should just be the way it was in the Articles of Confederation. It's like improvements and real property and maybe a poll tax for people who want to vote. Anyway, cut prescription drug prices, none of their business. Paid family and medical leave. Again, like that's not a government job. Climate change, especially promoting electric vehicles. All of that stuff to me, they are, it's, a, it's like a game that the Democrats are playing. The Democrats on the top act like they care. And then the people who want that money, and a lot of people just want that money. They love the social services. They design their lives around getting the most of it. I know people like that. My sister was like that. Then they play a little game like they need it. And that, those are the two big movers here. Then there are the people who actually need it, like a lot of times immigrants and stuff. They really cannot. Once you start putting a lot of minimum wage in and stuff, they can't even afford to shop at Walmart anymore. So they really need like a bus pass or whatever to get to their jobs. And then um, but then there's the higher level of what's going on, which is the big T. They want to. This is funny. It's really flattened the curve. They want to take the middle class, the professional class, and get the money away from them because they would be empowered. They're wise. They want to save this country. They care about their kids. They probably have a foothold in the culture from generations back, or they wouldn't be as successful as they are because it takes some intergenerational knowledge. So then you take that, you take the money and resources away from them so they don't go all Ron Paul, and you give it to a kind of the less productive class that you want to flatten the curve of the population to disempower the powerful and empower the kind of not yet ready to take the reins of leadership. That's what I think that's all about. And then, uh, and and the big T, they, if you go back even to Prouty's book about JFK, it opens with when they realized the English empire, Spanish empire, whatever, when they realized that the earth was round, they they knew they had a they could conceptualize the size of the problem and then they could start conquering the entire earth with mercantilism and everything else or wars to open up every backwards place. And really, they're doing that. And the last resource to totally conquer, in my opinion, is and I think Alison McDowell inspired this line of thinking is the resource of the the human being. Human being is the most valuable natural resource, just naked in the woods, not afraid, but empowered, naked. You've got thumbs, you've got everything. You don't, unlike oil, where you need tools and machines to actually use it, the human being will make the tools it needs. This, this is a very powerful resource. It's the most powerful resource on earth. And it is the resource that that is the most dangerous because it has the the actual best tool of a human being is the mind. And that's why the way to subjugate is entirely, really entirely through the propaganda. The other stuff doesn't work. You can't just put chains around their necks. I mean, as Sir Tim said, like Haiti had a successful slave uprising, like you physically cannot control the human being. You must control the human being with the mind. So I see this entire thing as a, a subjugation of humanity. That, that is how I see this crazy bill. And of course, as I said yesterday, it's really annoying because the people who are um, 
are pushing this bill are using are 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 saying, well, we're going to get anybody who isn't on board with this bill. We're going to get them on board by threatening Republicans with withholding consent for the the actual infrastructure bill. It just pisses me off because everything that's in the actual infrastructure bill is no business of the federal government anyway. So Republicans should not be behind it. They weren't behind it under Obama. I lay this at Trump's feet, but that's the big package of what you're hearing in the actual headlines today. And there is a little tidbit about the taxes if you want to hear it, but first say something so I can breathe. (laughs) (laughs) They've just taken all of the agenda points for this far left progressive great reset idea or concept, and they've just reframe them as infrastructure and cram them in to this package that will ultimately lead to new smart infrastructure, the education thing, everything that has been put out from Klaus Schwab and those guys at the top. And they've used to get people who feel like they're oppressed to rally behind is just crammed into this bill. All Pelosi was saying today was build back better. She was saying those words Good. over and over again. But it's confusing, and you might be confused. There are two different bills. There's yeah, the I was wondering which one. Yeah. yeah. So there's the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which literally does have in it roads, bridges, broadband, environmental remediation, public transportation, water, and power. It is stuff that is, for the most part, categorized as infrastructure. It just has absolutely no business in government at all, much less the federal government. And I don't even like Eisenhower's interstate highways. I get why they're cool, but they also just facilitate the transportation of really cheap stuff from China into the absolute heartland of this country. When you would, without that subsidy, you would have your, you would be able to buy American. Like, I don't, I don't like this stuff at all for practical reasons and also for ideological reasons. But that's just the actual infrastructure plan, which is being called like a Republican thing, but it shouldn't be. Then you have the 3.5 trillion. So it's 4.7 trillion altogether. The 3.5 trillion, they're calling it human infrastructure, but it's not. It's just complete social welfare, climate change, everything like that. It's total redistribution of wealth. And I'm a hundred percent opposed to it. Couldn't be more opposed to it. I did want to tell you two other things and then you can have the rest of the show. (laughs) You ready? Yeah. Okay, the one thing is um, just some details about how they want to pay for the human infrastructure. I I don't know why I'm calling it that. Build back better. I don't know what the hell to call it. Uh, The corporate tax rate would rise from 21 to 26 percent. Corporations don't pay taxes. It always gets completely passed through to the people who are buying stuff. So if Walmart's paying more taxes, it's the immigrant who is a hardworking guy who's going to pay for that. I don't care about a couple of extra bucks at Walmart, but... People who are living hands mouth do. Top income tax rate for Americans making over four hundred thousand would increase from thirty seven percent to forty percent. Like I've said before, say it's a doctor, went to school till he was 30, 35, making 400 grand, 200 goes to the government for sure, especially if you're in New York or California where you can't even deduct the other taxes you're paying. So then you're down to 200 grand, you're working night and day, your kids are going to private school, it's your your house is a million dollars, whatever. It's just, it is absolutely an attack on the middle class. Real rich people do not pay income taxes. The capital gains tax rate would go from 20 to 25%. Um, you know, this is all double taxation to me because the capital gains is on, I don't know, stuff that you already paid the taxes on when you made the investment in the first place. But uh, OK, so here's a another thing. This is a call to action that uh, Christine, who was on one of our Zoom calls, alerted us to. Apparently, one of the things that is in the hopper for a revamp of 
or whatever to try to be more creative at the IRS level is to have banks report to the IRS basically all activity, if I understand it correctly, in any account that has over $600 in it. And Christine's theory, and I think this was a good one, that they anticipate there's going to be a massive kind of apartheid black market where people who can't get real jobs are going to work off the books. You know, apartheid, because of the vax apartheid, 20% of the people are probably not going to be able to work. So they want to start monitoring all the kind of off the books transactions. And they're only going to be able to, I mean, $600, like I paid my babysitter more than that. I, I mean, maybe not in a week, but certainly in a month and always in cash. And and I wondered, I was like surprised that they didn't, nobody ever flagged that I used to take $1,000 out at a time. And I would pay my babysitter. It's up to her. I told her to pay, pay your taxes, do whatever. But I'm not doing the paperwork. Anyway, so I'm putting in the show notes a call to action to kind of protest that. It's actually, the, it's called C-U-N-A, CUNA. It's a grassroots action center. And it's going to be in the show notes if you want. It has like ready-made emails to tell your congresswoman, congressman not to sign on to that. That's awesome. You yeah, said something you, about Walmart a couple of times, and yeah. I saw this story come up yesterday that it was about how Walmart is not going to be doing layaway anymore. They're getting rid of layaway, and instead, they're going to be doing a, a payback program at a percentage rate. So it's it, it's they're going to be offering wow. So now. they're going to change it to debt. Yeah, buy now, pay later. They're turning it into wow. debt, and then it's going to be. An APR rate that's between 10 and 30%, depending on the consumer's credit. Oh, yeah, that's a credit card right there. Yeah, so that's just it's just further putting people into debt. Tons of people use layaway. That seems like a trick to me, and it seems to kind of fit in with this infrastructure package and what you're talking about, about creating more debt just in general. Well, in an inflationary environment, it's very hard to get to the goal with layaway, and maybe they don't want to lock in a price like that. So if it's a layaway and say, we're going to give it to you for 100 bucks, just save your 100 and give it to us, by the end of that they would probably be charging 120 for the item. So if they let you buy the item at 100 and charge you the 20%, then they got their 100 in today's money instead of tomorrow's money, and they also get the extra 20 over time. That's sick. I mean, I'm not opposed to debt, but it's a trick because I just think of the Walmart community as the people who work there and the people who shop there because they don't have them in the big cities, or I certainly not when, I mean, I never go to them. Only if like you're in kind of the sticks a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally have my head up my butt. But I I go to Target, which is a little more expensive. Target is a little bit more expensive. So, you know, we've talked about how this is a big social experiment going on and about the data they're collecting and everything. Well, not that we really needed proof that that was true. It's pretty obvious. You can actually find studies that start to explore this. There are publications now coming out that are just openly admitting how the pandemic has enabled scientists, social scientists, to conduct live social experiments that reveal how men and women behave during the pandemic and the differences in their behavior and what this could mean for them moving forward. This particular study is from the scientists at the Complexity Science Hub in Vienna, Austria. And they say that the COVID quarantine allowed them to conduct a live social experiment that showed them how men and women react to different ways to this crisis that we're facing. And their experiment analyzed mobile data from 1.2 million Austrians during the first shutdown 
back in 2020 from February to June. They got the data from an internet service provider, so anonymous mobile data, and they observed people's social mobility behavior. And one of the researchers said that they were interested in the extent to which people supported the anti-COVID measures imposed by the government upon them, and that when they analyzed the data by gender, they found strong behavioral differences between men and women. Here's a couple of the things that they found. One of them is they found that women tend to follow the government's measures more closely than men in the crisis situation, while men are less likely to accept the restrictions in their movement, and that women are less likely to want to return to normal quickly. So men are more likely to go out and try and party and and go to stores and, and be resistant, according to their study anyway. And women, on the other hand, are more likely to respond by spending more time on the phone. They said everybody spent more time on the phone because they were locked down, but that women spent more time talking to less people. So they communicated with less people for a longer period of time. And men also spent more time on the phone and they spent twice as long talking to women as they did men and women spent more time talking to women than they did talking to men how they use that data i don't know but just having yeah, that right. data is is going to be interesting to them and so, the idea that men they think that men break the rules more than women do and women women are more likely to accept the restrictions according to them anyway and this is I, austria again i have thought yeah, they're just doing women and men, but I've thought that about how there's there's no there's no secret that like the white male is the despised minority. There's I mean, it's not 51 percent of the people in this country are not white males. So it is a minority that the, the new despised minority always, always beaten, beaten down. And I was trying to think of that. Is it payback? Is it because they suck? No, these guys, the big they, they don't care if you suck. They don't care if it's not fair. All they care about is their money, power. Really, whatever it is they care about, it's almost hard to believe it's as simple as money and power. I think for them, it may be a game they want to win. I really don't know. But who? why do they hit white men all the time? Of course, there's only one possible reason. White men are the threat. They're the threat for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is, but maybe part of the reason is they they resist. They 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 have they want to go back. They're harder to mold. I really don't know. I also think that it has to do with the historical conflict because you can point to racism in America as something that's kind of ingrained in people's just being so Hitler did this with the Jewish people I don't want to compare and say that's happening here that's not what I'm saying but I'm just using an example of they show what they do to try and destroy countries psychologically is they pick the the divide amongst the citizens it's going to be the easiest to exploit and then the easiest to demonize a group and with Nazi Germany the Jewish people they had these long-standing kind of conflicts with the others and it was e- it was easy for Hitler to blame the loss of World War one on them and pull upon those latent feelings I think that's that's the more obvious thing that everybody points to that it's like well you just you're just causing divide for the sake of divide and what i'm trying to get to is why those particular groups so why did he pick the jews was it just that he hated them or no, is it because I think he picked they were them because they were the easiest one to rally the other side behind i get that yeah i get yeah. that um you take the despised minority that you have and right. you exploit that but i'm saying maybe the jews were a threat to him oh, because they wouldn't capitulate or they were 
they had all the money or he wanted the money. Like, that's the other thing is like, of course, that would be the right group to pick because they were very prosperous in Germany. And I mean, it happens to I know a guy who's still there who is a rich Jewish family from all that time. And he said they were the actually most successful in Germany. Like it was surprising that would happen there. And maybe it's because if you're going to steal people's stuff, if you like art, you're going to pick the people with all the art and the stuff. You know, yeah. there, there are a lot of possible reasons. And in this case, I get why you would do it. But white men in particular, I think it's deeper than just the easiest target. Right. Yeah. And Hitler could very well have hated them as well. That That's my point. Yeah, was just that he, he could have and he could have been chosen because he hated them because yeah. he was right. chosen. There, yeah, there you go. He was chosen. So I'm not even saying where the agency is in all of this. I'm just saying Klaus Schwab. I, I look at the Ukraine example. When you look at who caused the problem for the U.S. and Ukraine, it was a bunch of farmers, soldiers and industrialists in the West. Granted, they were the ones who had the loyalty to Russia, but it was a bunch of burly white guys who knew how to use tools, like literally physically tools. And I'm like, that's why they don't want you to have, they don't want you to have farmers. They don't want you to know how to make stuff. They don't want mechanics. So if you look around, a lot of the the more sophisticated blue collar work, the craftsmanship, the artisans, they're immigrants who don't really speak English and really aren't going to be the ones who, a lot of them speak English, but they're not going to, they're not the same ones who are going to, who resent the loss of the constitution and stuff. So I'm, I'm just like playing into what you're saying. Like the guys, the, the guys with the foundation in American heritage are the guy, if that's their touchstone, if that's their tether, and it's hard to move them away from that. If you take guys who came from Mexico and you want to make it more like Mexico, so that's why like this infrastructure plan, the human infrastructure plan is going to appeal to people who came from countries where that was normal. But your white guy who's going to say, well, I was raised, like me personally, I was raised by a guy who would say this stuff is totally unconstitutional and would die fighting for the constitution joined in to fight for the constitution so i just i think there's more more to the cultural issue and these studies they study this stuff because they want to know who's the threat who how how they have to tailor their propaganda just absolutely cambridge analytica they want to know how to tailor the propaganda yeah to that point here's what their takeaway from this study was they say in the paper that on the one hand this offers quantitative support for research questions in psychology and the social sciences on the other hand we are providing concrete information for policymakers which can either be used for planning in an acute crisis or flow into a more targeted health planning or could even lead to a consideration on how to achieve a more gender equitable society so these are the things they have in mind when they're looking for this data so that they can and other things as well, but so that they can come up with propaganda messaging and strategies and, and nudge people in certain ways that they want. And if one group is doing the study, they started the study in February, almost immediately after the shutdown. Can you imagine how many more of these are already starting to be published? This I'm, I've already started to look for more of these, and I'm really interested in what they're going to be concluding. Many of them won't be published. I'm absolutely confident the psychological stuff 20 is years. absolutely buried, <laughs> yes. And gender equality is it's much easier to push everybody down. That's this infrastructure thing. It's like pushing everybody down below the waterline, flattening that curve underneath the waterline so nobody can come up for air. So the equality, equity thing is always going to make some people worse off and not always going to make anyone better off. And 
population decline has also been uh, affected by lower lowering sperm counts and social media and the digital world. And there's predictions that by like 2064, it's going to drop drastically. And there is a scientist from the, an environmental health scientist from the University of Massachusetts who has an explanation that he just published in the paper for these predictions of the decline in population. He says that social stress and meaningless, overwhelming social interactions taking place across social media and in real life is one of the explanations. And he combines that with population Density. He says the drop in population is almost exclusively caused by decreased uh, reproduction rather than factors that increase rates of mortality. So not wars or epidemics or starvations. And then he goes on to connect that to people living in more crowded areas, saying that rising population numbers contribute to less meaningful social interactions, social withdrawal, chronic stress, which substantially suppresses reproduction, and that changes in the reproduction behavior that contribute to the population drop include more young couples choosing to be child-free and people just not starting families. I actually, none of that sounds wrong to me. And I had an, an observation the other day. I was uh, eating outside. I got myself something to eat and I was sitting on a little sidewalk, but I couldn't get a good seat. And it was like right basically in the parking lot of the grocery store. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to see somebody I know. And I was like, I'm definitely never seeing anyone I know. Like, I don't know anyone. Nobody knows. I, I absolutely have made no profound connections, nothing like that. And my first thought was, because it's just too big. It's just too big here. And weirdly, having more people around makes you more socially isolated. It's, it's a weird phenomenon. And I, I really don't like it. I never thought of myself as social, but I do not like it. Yeah, I think that there's isolation physically and... I think people seek to go to the social media platforms to get that sense of, of connections. And I, he also says that stress can suppress sperm count, ovulation, and sexual activity. But he, his recommendation for anyone looking to reduce their social stress is to back off of social media because that is the source of a lot of it. That's so interesting. And also it takes the place of your social interaction because another thought I had was like, I actually do have a lot of friends and acquaintances and most of them I met through this work that we're doing. And just this weekend, somebody came through town uh, who I met like at a meetup previously. We had dinner, several of us got together and I was like, wow, that's like a human contact that I did make through this. But it's it, it takes effort. And if you're just going to sit there and tweet all the time, you're not going to get up and get out. So I've really I'm I'm going to try to make more of an effort to interact and meet space because it's it's good for you. It really is. So we do still have one more story in the free 30. Binkley, you're going to tell us about the the January 6 trials, uh, which are being slowed down by mounting evidence. What could it mean for the defendants? I'd like to know. And I, boy, I've just had a lot of comments today, so don't expect this show to go short because I'm going to want to talk about that. Sorry. And but before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. Are you based and Ted pilled? Do you even know what that means? I'll tell you all about it in the XR. And a new study shows just how often people check their smartphones per day. The results might surprise you. But before we get to any of that, I would like to give, uh, we're going to dedicate this show to, or the sponsor of this show is someone who wants us to know about her labor of love. This is really just a service that, 
she has dedicated her life to her time to and it has actually been useful in my own life so i'll tell you how after you listen to this message about her work we are excited to bring this extended shout out to you from molly she's a patron saint and a big fan of the show and she has a very important message she'd like to get out there molly wants people to know that there's a toxic heavy metal called gadolinium in the contrast injection you get when you get an mri and some people have a devastating reaction to it you can find out more about that by looking into the experience of chuck norris and his wife gina who like molly are trying to raise awareness of the serious issue gadolinium is a rare earth mineral that's not found isolated in nature yet because of mris it's now in our environment and can accumulate in our bodies the long-term effects of using this heavy metal in the millions of mris that are done every year are not yet known molly just wants people to know the risks involved in getting this injection and to learn more about the possible impact this practice may have on us all knowledge is power so learn more about gadolinium in mris at molly's website www.mris.com mridie.com that's www.mridye.com so someone in my family had to get an mri and i referred this person to that website just to get educated i really had no opinion i hadn't really read every last thing and uh he came back to me and said you need to read every last thing on that website and i'm i don't want to get the MRI. So I contacted Molly and she said, you can actually get the MRI without the dye. So you can ask for that. And especially if you have a family history of a bad reaction, which we actually did. So I started asking around and someone said, oh yeah, Aunt Dar got almost, you know, whatever. I don't, she did almost die from something like that. I don't know exactly what it was, but I believe it was this stuff. So we had that family reaction and just ask the doctor if he could do it without the dye. He didn't like it, but he did it, and it was fine. So just whatever. Do your own research. <laughs> do your own research. But Molly did a lot of the research for you, so you can go to MRIDye.com if you're interested in learning more about that. And I will just ask this. I would love it. It'll make me happy if you go to iTunes right now, and if you're not subscribed to the free show, Subscribe to the free show and go ahead and scroll down to the bottom and give us five stars and leave a review in words. So we have like, I'm sure we have well over 500 five-star reviews, but we have a few trolls. We can get them removed and we will, but it's just, it's nice to have fresh reviews that say, uh, bring out the best in the show. And we would appreciate if you would do that. If you have any criticism of the show, you probably have the power to make this show better, but not by leaving it there, because I don't look at it that often. If you, I really don't like to read anything negative on that. But if you email us at the Propaganda Report Podcast at gmail.com, then we will take your constructive criticism into account.
And in the meanwhile, we would love to see more five-star reviews there because it will push us way up in the search engines. And we want to get as far up there as we can to get as much reach as we can before the inevitable deplatforming, which, by the way, there was a lot of deplatforming today on YouTube. Ron Paul bit the dust. One of his channels came down. And um, really, I think, yes. And was it Mercola? I don't know. I thought he was gone for a while. But yeah, Children's Dispense Fund, Robert Kennedy. People are getting hit hard on YouTube. I keep checking to see if we're still up there. And we are, but who knows how long it'll last. Yeah, it could be any day now. So, Any day now, yeah, probably. So with that, on to the last big story of the Free 30. Okay, so as you know, there are like 800 defendants, over 800 defendants involved in cases stemming from the January 6th incident. I call it an incident. You free to call it or characterize it, whatever you want to characterize it as. And only festival. just- Yeah, a festival, uh, It whatever. was a festival. We only saw the pictures. Only like less than 100, not many at all, they've gotten to plead guilty and mostly to misdemeanors and stuff. And it's interesting because these 800 cases have clogged up the D.C. courts because- they have more than double the total number of new criminal cases that were filed in all of last year. So all the other criminal activity going on is getting pushed to the side a little bit and buried. Go ahead. This is what makes me so mad is that you have plea bargain. If you didn't have plea bargains, these guys couldn't bring all these threatening lawsuits. There should be no plea bargains. I haven't seen anything where you see a live streaming URL from the courtroom where I want to see them actually present evidence against one of these guys and convict them because I don't believe they could do it. Maybe there are a couple of they throw in there that the lawyer's like, we stipulate that he did all this stuff. It's like, no, that's not how you do it. So if they didn't have plea bargains, they wouldn't clog up the courts because they would have to keep their stuff buttoned up. If you didn't have double jeopardy, if you didn't have federal crimes um, piled on top of state crimes let the states handle it if it's a crime although i guess dc is not a state but they're almost exclusively using threats to get these plea bargains it's unbelievable the way they're trying to intimidate some of these people who all many of them did very little except just walk around and maybe walk inside the capitol well the problem that has come up is that some of these defendants have been held basically indefinitely without bond and this has raised questions of the right to a speedy trial. So you're not, they're not getting these cases moving forward. One, because there's so many of them. Two, because of all of the mounting evidence that has come in. And this mounting evidence has come in. Why? Because the FBI from day one has been putting billboards all over the country saying, see something, say something. The see something, say something nation, this digital nation where these sedition hunters that the FBI has rewarded and encouraged to continue to send in tips have given them so much evidence that is very difficult for prosecutors to arrange it and then share it with the defense and discovery. It's almost impossible. And this has really just put the prosecution and to a halt and left people in jail, violating their rights. And the feds caused this problem themselves. And I think this is going to lead to a complete transformation of the justice system in the future to handle see something say something nation because they seem to be wanting to use this whole of society approach to solving crimes and also it makes me wonder what what's a way that they can get around some of these problems of violating people's rights of a speedy trial well you can just classify them as domestic terrorists and strip away all their rights they haven't done that but it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to with some of them and i do think that it goes completely against the trend of 
not requiring bail for certain crimes. So like these people are unlikely to do another January 6th, right? Because January 6th only comes around once. So I don't know. I don't know. But there is a trend against the exact thing that's happening. So maybe it will be used to get the right to champion these new laws, which I think are fine. I, I, I think no bail, no jail for anything that isn't a crime against a person or property. So they're saying this is, but I would say for me, I have absolutely never seen such a made up story ever in all of my studying of false flags and everything like that, because this is the first one where they didn't even actually do the thing. So we saw all that video that came out. We saw somebody who was there, who was there when someone came running out the building saying it was Ashley Babbitt got shot, who was there when the doors got open, who showed us just tons and tons of footage of it and was there's just explained everything. So I don't believe that any of this stuff happened. And the only time I saw video that looked like they were do that, that the police were being stressed or whatever was way after the fact. And I believe it was, I personally believe it was filmed after the fact. So what they actually did, it seems like to me is they not only, it's not, not just a false flag. It's like a virtual false flag. They didn't even bother to do the thing at the time. They just staged it. I think even the Ashley Babbitt thing was staged at a different time. That's what I think. A lot of it looked like it was actors to me that had been given. I mean, I saw I saw clearly some protesters fake fighting with cops, you know, over one of those little barricades and the cop falls down. Then everybody stops and they get up and they dust the cop off and they all walk off together. And I'm sure there might there was people there probably that were instigated by the by people like that. They might might have gotten I don't you know. know a little rowdy, but. It was a very, very suspect event. The whole thing. Did you hear about this Olympic swimmer, Cleet Keller, who pleaded guilty? He was among those who pleaded pled guilty. And I was trying to find the story. So I typed in Olympic swimmer pleads guilty or something like that. And I spelled it wrong. So it just went for like pleads guilty to January 6th. And it was just page after page after page. It was just pleads guilty, pleads guilty, pleads guilty. I don't want to see that. I want to see fights to the death. You know, that's what I want to see. Because yeah. then you get some truth. That's what the process for me is for. I hate plea bargains. Well, the process for them is the opposite of truth. So, And actually, yes. Speaking of which, I got a shout out, a very personal shout out from a podcasting friend and patron, Saint of the Show, who is having a very difficult time in family court, which I've heard of this before. Have you ever heard guys complain about how they're treated in family court and like custody battles and stuff? Absolutely. And how like you can write things in, in the claim against the other person that like has no basis in reality. So I think, I think Obama at least once, if not twice, benefited from getting like divorce documents unsealed. And the counter argument was they there's no scrutiny on those things. They're just claims, unsubstantiated claims made by another spouse in a totally adversarial situation. So like it definitely feels like there's a lot of injustice in family court. And Marl Bob did one of his podcast episodes. It was very personal, but he just wanted to get it out there. And I, and I believe he has a GoFundMe because he is absolutely broke because of this fight. It's his Hidden in Plain Sight podcast, episode 48. Um, it's a, He is a father fighting for his rights in the fraudulent family court system. He said the last custody battle he went through drained all his savings. And now he's fighting again 
and he does not have money for a lawyer. So he is trying to get this done. And I, I have to say, he's not the first person who's told me about the injustices there. So uh, I encourage people to listen to his podcast and see if what he's saying rings true. Maybe you want to help him. I think that wraps it up for today's show. And yeah, but now we have a whole XR. I always, I've really been super chatty. I think it's because I got my espresso machine back. Oh, I see. That's, that's good. You got to get that <laughs> I feel espresso so much better. machine back. So you're, you're, yeah. you were so right. It wasn't long COVID. It was bad coffee. It was bad coffee. <laughs> Not long COVID. It's bad I coffee. Love that line. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform, the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the DNB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.